The following podcast is an Embassy Row production. Hi, everybody. Welcome to a very special episode of The Bright Side this week. Before we get started with the episode and a guest I know you guys are going to really love hearing from, I wanted to share a couple of my bright spots from this past week, one of which was going to Palm Springs to spend time filming with the cast of The Hills. And the reason that this particular trip was so fun was because we had four days in a row solid out there all together. And so usually I feel like we're very in and out of filming scenes and so we kind of do what we're there to do and interact on camera but we don't really have a whole lot of downtime where we aren't together on those trips and this time we did which was really nice so it was good to connect with everybody and just get to enjoy being in the beautiful weather out in the desert and having some special moments with everyone from the show and in case you haven't heard yet the show is actually going to be premiering May 12th so they just set the premiere date officially and so May 12th on MTV. Uh, I'm nervous about it but I think overall we made a really good show this year and I'm way more excited than I anticipated I would be about it so that was a bright spot. Another one for me was spending time around the new house this week doing some DIY projects. By DIY I really mean Chris was doing them. I don't do them myself because I'm not nearly as talented as he is but it's been cool watching him and learning a little bit because if I ever do need to do them myself at least I have a little bit better an idea but Chris made some pillows some really beautiful throw pillows for the bench seat in my bedroom and he made cushion covers for the bench seat so the, I'm sitting here looking at the new <laughs> window seat in our bedroom and it's looking really pretty so that makes me happy um and we also planted a bunch of really beautiful pink roses out in the garden so that was great too I've been going out there every morning and watering them it's the first thing I do when I get up and it's kind of a nice little meditative moment every morning when I get up to go out there and spend a few minutes with the roses and Dash always comes with me so it's like a little me and Dash activity every morning when we get up which I'm really liking so to get to this week's episode my guest this week is Brody's mom Linda Thompson, who you may or may not be familiar with, but you will absolutely love hearing from her. She's got such an interesting life story. I don't even really know where to begin. I asked her in this episode to summarize her life in a little bit of an elevator pitch, but I think that's nearly impossible to do. She's been a very special and important person in my life for many years now, and she continues to be. You'll totally understand why as soon as you hear this episode. She's got so much life experience. She's such a kind and thoughtful person and she is a wonderful mother. Yeah, well, I mean, when you hear her life story, it's very, very interesting for sure. So I think you're going to love this week's episode and here it is. My guest today is Linda Thompson, who many of you are probably very familiar with. I certainly am very familiar <laughs> with her as she was my mother-in-law for a period of time and continues to remain one of my friends and definitely somebody who I will always turn to for advice. I was just telling her I feel like she's my West Coast mom. So I hope you always feel that way because you are definitely family. To me, to Brody, to Brandon, to our whole family, you, you are still our family. 
Thank you so much. I do feel that way. And I, that's one of the things I, I say this a lot, but in my and Brody's relationship, I'm the proudest of about us is, is that we've been able to maintain such a close relationship and everybody's still able to be very close, which makes me really happy and proud. I'm glad we're all able yeah, to do Yeah. And there's no reason that that shouldn't be the case. You know, it's always been my philosophy that you should have enough reverence and respect for that time of loving that you can always have a relationship with that person. You know, it might be modified. I, I know romantic love sometimes transmutes into familial love as it has with mm -hmm. you and Brody. And now you're like, you're like brother and sister, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I know it's kind of funny because when we were just in Palm Springs, there was a scene that we had to film together and I was getting really anxious about it because I felt like everybody on set was kind of putting a lot of pressure in on me and on him to have this conversation. So I was mm -hmm. starting to feel really overwhelmed. Then when it was just me and him and we actually went to film it, I was like, oh, this is actually totally fine now. And now that it's yeah. just me and you, it yeah. feels, you know, like we have, of course, we've known each other for forever. We're so close and there's nothing weird about it. Exactly. Can we let the listening audience and the viewing audience know that that is not me snorting, panting? <laughs> I know you hear it. You're, you know, I actually didn't hear it too bad, but but Linda's got this adorable new puppy, Willis, and he's a little French bulldog, and he, he wants to be front and center today. Oh, my too, God. So. And he's okay. like, I'm, I'm going to, trying to contain him down here so he doesn't knock over the camera. <laughs> but I think just for, for listeners who aren't familiar with you and your, your background, you have kind of an elevator pitch version of your story about your childhood through now that you could just share with everyone. Oh, wow. There's a, there's a lot. <laughs> I've lived a long time, you know, <laughs> but there's a lot to cover. Yeah. I grew up in the South. I grew up in Memphis, Tennessee and was Miss Tennessee Universe, among other titles, put myself through college winning these little titles. And I met Elvis Presley in 1972. It was an immediate connection. We fell deeply in love and we moved in together right away and lived together for four and a half years until just eight months before his untimely death. And then I, I left him because I wanted a more normal life. And I met and married <laughs> Bruce Jenner. So there was my normal life for a minute. <laughs> and then of course, you know, we all know that uh, Bruce Jenner became Caitlyn Jenner and um, upset my apple cart pretty well, <laughs> but um, we've moved on. Everybody is cordial. Everybody's friendly. And then I married David Foster and had a great songwriting career with David and with other people like Richard Marks and Stephen Dorff and Inyo Marconi and even Clint Eastwood did some music that I wrote lyrics to. So wow. I, I always wrote poetry, you know, I was, in, I know that you love to write as well. And I was an English major in college and always wrote poetry. So it just kind of transitioned into writing lyrics for songs. One of my favorite little anecdotes from your time with Elvis was that you would write poetry when you were with him and he would want to read it. And I think he was interested in potentially making music out of it. And you were too shy and didn't want it shared. <laughs> <laughs> I was too naive yes I would say to him he said hey, this is beautiful let me have someone put this to music and I'll record it and in my naivete I said no honey it's just you know the very little was private for us because obviously there were tens of thousands and millions of people all the time watching and observing so I said this is private between us and let's just keep it that way 
having no idea about royalties and that kind of thing, the perpetuity, <laughs> you know, of, of that career. So he didn't write, by the way, he didn't write music or lyrics. He just was. Oh, that's so interesting. Yeah. He was just a yeah. master interpreter. So he interpreted music and stylized it and made it his own, but he actually didn't write lyrics or music. So when he began his career, not to make this a podcast about Elvis. No, it's okay. But when he, it's the most interesting but, part of my life. Well, I also hadn't really ever thought I have, I've talked to you so much about your personal dynamic with him, but not really his career. When he became an artist, mm-hmm. I, I'm just so interested. If he wasn't writing music of his own, did he? Or did he ever? Or did someone? Was he just? No. He had a great voice. He had an amazing voice and a style, and you know mannerisms, all his own dance moves, everything, and looks. I mean, he was the most gorgeous man, an amazing looking guy. So, right. L- Libra and Stoller, uh, May Axton, there were a lot of people who wrote for him, but no, he okay, never. So, wrote. someone just identified all those traits in him and said, "You've got to be, you've got to be a star." <laughs> yeah. Well, he started singing. He that was his passion. That was his lifeblood to sing and to perform. And he went into Sun Studios in Memphis, Tennessee, and recorded a song. He was a big mama's boy, much like Brody. he he was a mama's boy and he went into this recording studio to record a song for his mother and the lady who was working there and Sam Phillips who was working there they noticed that he had something very unique he was gorgeous he was had a beautiful voice that was like an angel and he had like this dynamic and a charisma and a presence that was just absolutely overwhelming when Elvis would enter a room even if you didn't see him enter the room you would feel this energy this presence and everybody would have to turn and look what what was that what energy just walked into this room so they felt it and they mm-hmm. said let's do some sides Let, let's record some songs on you and nothing was contrived with him nothing was manufactured or made up every move every little nuance every the curl of the lip everything about him came naturally and organically which I think is part of the reason for his charm and his appeal that it, he wasn't trying to be sexy he just was Right. I wouldn't say that I've really been in the presence of too many people that have that or can kind of command that sort of Mm -hmm. attention when they walk in a room like that. But I have a few times. It really is like a magical force that some people have. Yeah, it absolutely is that enters the room kind of before they do. It's just like this amazing presence that that he had that very few people have. And he was an original. So special. You know, he Mm -hmm. even though he did not write his own music, He was an original in the way that he dressed, the way he moved, the way he performed, the way he thought, the way he sang. He was just the original rock and roll icon god. And he was also pretty scandalous for for that time. Yeah, for that time, they they cut him from, they shot him from the waist up because they thought he gyrated too much. Can you imagine how things have changed? You know, like, wow. uh, Yeah. (laughs) What? I'm like still spinning. I know, I know. Just not that long ago, no. there was no way that you could have even come close to making a song like this. Oh my and, God. I mean, yeah, they're they're editing Elvis's hips out of exactly, video. exactly. <laughs> it's just kind of mind-boggling, really. One of the most, I mean, there were many memorable experiences that I've shared with you, but one of the ones I really thought was extra special was to visit Graceland, oh, Graceland with you. I just saw those photos the other day. What I loved about that, I mean, of course, visiting Graceland was magical in itself, but Mm -hmm. then on top of it, it was, you know, we're walking around, we had a tour guide 
We had a private tour. Yeah. Right. And we had a tour guide. Mm -hmm. But what was so interesting about the tour, of course, was that you knew so much, so many little details and facts that were really secret to you that the tour guide didn't know anything about. So it was like a double tour because we got, you know, the tour guides, it's a kind of standard tour. And then your um, additions, which were so interesting. I don't know if you remember, but the tour guide would say something and I would say, well, actually it was blah, blah, blah. You know, (laughs) oh, we learned something new today. She'll be giving better tours going <laughs> right, forward. Exactly. Well, um, one of the, my favorite parts about it was you talking about designing the stained glass yeah. in the front door. Yeah. Okay. And you remember that the climbing roses and the P for Presley. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, that, that's, that's so. And special. the jungle room. And the jungle room. Yeah. It's just totally iconic. That's just such a, a famous room. You know, songs have been written about it. Pretty little thing waiting for the king down in the jungle room, walking in this. So. It's, it's, it's yeah. pretty trippy when you look back. It's funny because I feel like sometimes I've lived three or four lifetimes in one lifetime. Mm-hmm. And even though that was so many years ago, it's like 42, 43 years, I think, since Elvis passed. You know, if I close my eyes, it's yesterday. And, you know, so many vivid memories are like that for all of us, I'm sure. The ones that really are indelibly etched in your mind and mm-hmm. your memory and your heart and your DNA. You know, you just feel like that's just a part of your DNA now. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I can definitely relate to that. And then, and Elvis was the first of many complex relationships and life experiences that you've oh, yeah. had, <laughs> yeah. you know, in a way, I mean, I, I've certainly, it's not a comparison to myself, but, but I sometimes, of. but kind of, Challenging. sometimes I, yeah, sometimes I, I look back and still have many years to go, hopefully in my life, but I think, God, I, how did I how did I end up here? Yeah. You know, I mean, from a small town in New Hampshire and you mm-hmm. came from a small town in Tennessee Yeah, and we've had these just remarkable life experiences. Yeah. And, and, and gratefully so, you know, like it could have gone just the other way, which is, there's nothing wrong with that. I wanted a more normal life, you know, we could have been <laughs> sitting home knitting. <laughs> I feel like I say that all the time too. Mm-hmm. You know, I just want to live in the middle of nowhere and have a normal life, I but I would say the same thing. I'm so grateful for all the, the experiences. I wouldn't change anything. Yeah. It brings out so much in you, you know, the challenges. It's like, you think, oh, wow. If someone listening to your story or my story might go, how did you even handle that? How did, and you don't know, you don't. And I, I like to say, sometimes you don't get over something. You just get through it. You know, you, mm-hmm. you never get over certain things, but you get through it. And that's yeah. what's important for people, I think, to realize that when you're meeting challenges like that, it really carves a deeper understanding of life into you and more tolerance and more patience. If it doesn't break you, it helps to make you. Yeah, no, that, that's a really good quote and advice. This is why I, I think I've always felt like going to you for advice in difficult circumstances is such a great idea because you have been through so many things. We've had so some good heart to hearts. <laughs> yes, but so many kind of unimaginable things are things that people just really can't even relate to and you can. So at least some of the things I've experienced, I feel yeah. like you can really relate to a lot. When it comes to, I mean, you just shared some really good advice, but what would you say has been the most challenging time in your life that ultimately led to something positive for you? Oh, well, well, the positive had already arrived during the challenging time, but I I think the most challenging time of my life was when Caitlin came to me and said that she wanted to transition and Brody was 18 months old. Brandon was just under three years old. And I was 
idyllically happy. I was just so happy in my little family with my normal athlete husband, who was the sweetest guy, and Brody and Brandon, healthy babies living here at, at this same house. And I, so it just turned my world upside down. But the positive that came out of that, and I wrote about it in my memoir, A Little Thing Called Life, that thank God, Bruce, the then Bruce, did not tell me what his turmoil was, what his inner turmoil and his conflict was, because I would have never married him. She had come to me and said, oh, by the way, you know, I, I really want to be a woman. I would have said, check, please. And I wouldn't have had Brandon and Brody. So I've learned to trust life. I've just learned to trust life at, and it unfolds as it's meant to. You know, it presents itself to you and you just have to consider everything a blessing and, and move along with it and, and look for the best, like your beautiful little podcast, you know, the bright side, you have to look for the bright side of every aspect of life and every challenge in life. So a lot of people wanted to know, how do you keep good relationships with family through divorce or not even just through divorce? I also feel like extended family is a good kind of way of putting this because you've navigated all sorts of different laws outlaws (laughs) yeah 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 what what would you say you know I I would say that some people make it easier than others you know some people you just naturally it's a natural flow and because they are gracious and giving and forgiving and loving such as yourself you know it hasn't even been an effort for you or me to stay close. And, and then other people can be a little more challenging, but I think just tenacity and just, and having equanimity within yourself, no matter what the other person is putting out or throwing at you or acting out, that you just have to be true to yourself. You have to be the person you are. And if you are naturally giving and generous and loving and kind, keep being that, you know, don't, don't turn into this angry person who's violated, you know, by them. So you just can't react to, to their actions. You just, because that's on you. So just be who you are, be loving, be forgiving, be kind and be tolerant and, and understand that everybody goes through their own little drama and you don't know what that person's going through or what they've had to contend with. So again, just stay in your lane, be you, let them be them. And if they will allow you to be in their lives, that's great. And if not, then you can love them from a distance. Yeah, that was going to be my next question is if the other person isn't receptive to that, what are your thoughts on the importance of forcing good relationships with people that you you feel like you'd like to have a good relationship mm-hmm. with somebody that you had a close relationship with at sure. one point, but if they're not receptive, what would you say someone should do love them from a distance mm-hmm. <laughs> i would say let them go let it you, go yeah you can't force someone else to be something they're not and to feel about you the way you feel about them like we might want someone to stay in our lives and to be friends if if it's a love relationship a romantic love relationship that's gone and you'd like to still be friends or fa- you know like family you can't force that and if they don't feel it then you just have to go okay well that's in my heart and I'll send that out to you wherever you are in the world, but just let them go and know that I, that, that to me is what karma is. You know, people talk about karma all the time, but that's your own good karma. If you keep good feelings and positive vibes in your own heart and in your intentions, your intentions are pure and good and kind, then that's your own good karma that comes right back to you in the way of feeling okay about yourself. But if you mm-hmm. get embroiled in drama and 
vitriol and bitterness, then already your karma is bad because you're not going to be comfortable in your own skin. So we, we want to live as comfortably in our own skin as we can for all our lives. And to do that, you have to just keep working on yourself and be the best version of yourself, the best you you can be. It feels very true from any experience I've had with, with more challenging relationships mm-hmm. like that. I can, I'll sometimes feel very frustrated or angry about something. Sure. And the more frustrated and angry I feel, if I think, you know what, the best thing I can do is to just be kind and continue to always put out positive energy and mm-hmm. like, just try to be the nicest I can be in the circumstance. I always end up feeling more at peace. You know, like you said, I can live within my own body because I know I've done the best I can, even if it's, if it's not being received a certain way exactly. that are the way I want it to that. Yeah. That's, that's really good advice. And that your intentions were yeah. good and pure and kind. You know, you weren't out to hurt anybody. You weren't out to get back at somebody for a wrongdoing or whatever. Your intentions are good. So, you know, because people wait for karma to either reward them or bite them in the butt, you know, mm-hmm. and just I don't think it works that way. I think that you create your own immediate good karma by just feeling good about your actions and reactions and your intentions. What about your, everyone thinks you look amazing. I, I agree. <laughs> um, pink. And We're pink. I know, I know from witnessing, well, you do look so good in color too. I was thinking that when I, when I first turned the camera on, I thought I should have worn something like that. It's so cute. Listen, you're so something. gorgeous. You could be <laughs> Thank you. wearing a bird right now, but <laughs> yes, always gorgeous. But I know you've always maintained a great fitness routine. You're still an, a very avid tennis player. Yeah. And you, I, I mean, we used to go on tons of beach walks. And yeah. so fitness is, of course, a big part of your life. But also, I mean, what else would you say? Is there, would, have you had a routine you've maintained from the time you were young or has yeah. it evolved over and, time? And part of it is abstinence. You know, part of it is abstaining from certain things. And then being involved in other things. So, but not abstinence from sex. No, because <laughs> no, that will bring a flood to your cheeks. Yeah, right, not that. Right. That's, no, that's the but, opposite. Exactly. But I never smoked. So I think that's really important. So smoking. Yeah, and you're barely, you're barely a drinker. No, hardly. And I was a tea yeah. smoker for many, many years until I discovered margaritas and a good glass of wine. So now I'll have, <laughs> you know, a glass of wine at dinner once a week or something. I don't drink every night. And I don't drink to excess because I think those are the things that make you feel bad and also that age you and make you look bad. So, and it's not even all about, you know, how you look, it's how you feel. And it's, Mm -hmm. it's also how you feel about your discipline, your self-discipline and, you know, being able to go, I have a gym, lucky I have a gym here at my house. So I'll go out two or three times a week and lift weights. That's very good for women, for everybody, but for women to stave off osteoporosis. That's very important. Mm -hmm. I play tennis, like any weight bearing exercise that you do, like walking. I'm not a runner because it's kind of rough on your joints. And I dislocated my kneecap twice, so I don't want to aggravate it any further. But in tennis, I can play. I, pl- I skied recently for the first time in 18 I years. saw that. Yeah. You took Eva. Yes, it was so great. And I, so just, cute. I didn't want to fall because I didn't want to mess up my tennis because I am playing a lot of tennis now. Mm. But I'll tell you one thing, that altitude and dry air is not your friend. <laughs> I know. Oh my God. You know, what, you know what my biggest secret for that, that I don't know if it's just a placebo thing, oh. but 
I went to Aspen once and they gave us bottles of chlorophyll water, which is supposed to oxygenate your blood. And I kept drinking it the entire trip and I never had any problems with the altitude. I was so hydrated. I felt like just like sleeping was easy, which usually I struggle in higher altitude. I just felt like it made a big difference. So now whenever I go anywhere in the higher altitude, I always bring a little bottle of chlorophyll with me. Well, thank you for telling me now that I'm back from- Now you're back. (laughs) I could have used that tip. No, because I agree with you. It's brutal. Yeah. Your skin's all dry. Our lips were chapped. Eva was saying, Lala, my lips are chapped. I happen to have my stuff with me, my lip smacker thing. So I've got another question for you. Oh, I was going to say too, Caitlin, not to interrupt you, but you were asking me, did I have advice, you know, from long ago? And one of my big admonitions is you've got to start young to stay young. You know, when you're young, when you're in your 20s, you know, don't party and stay out all night and drink and get, you know, dehydrate your skin and get bags under your eyes and smoke cigarettes and do drugs. It's going to, it's going to age you. It's going to show on your face and in your body. So just try to think of your body as a temple. That's where you have to live for your whole life. So you got to take care of it. Yeah. I think it's so hard. I mean, I'm, I'm not good at foreseeing <laughs> potential con- consequences. I have to experience everything to get the point. So I'm always kind of trying to tell myself that, you know, just because you don't feel like you're doing something bad now doesn't mean that it's not going to affect you later. And you've got to have that in mind. But also the other thing I feel like you do a really good job of is you eat very well and you drink a lot of lemon water, which I think is very important. Yeah. I drink a big glass of lemon water every morning before I have Mm -hmm. my coffee. And I take a probiotic with Yocult, you know, those little Yocult things is like an appetite mm-hmm. just to make you feel better. And okay. I take supplements. I take some vitamins, not every day, but often. And I've discovered this uh, collagen powder, which I'm trying to see if it makes a difference too. So I always just tell people I'm 110, but that's the new 90. <laughs> oh I want to stay that new 90. No. <laughs> well, you look amazing. I, I just hope, and and also in a bikini, by the way, it's, oh. it's ridiculous. It's smoke like, and mirrors. It's lighting, you know? <laughs> no, it's not. I've seen it in real life. Oh, thank you. My mom wants to know, who do you respect the most in the whole world? Who do I respect the most in the whole world? Wow. Yes. Living or dead? <laughs> I guess it would. I guess it could be either. A song title comes to mind: "Respect Yourself." You know, mm. I think it starts with us. Uh, you know that song: "Respect Yourself." <laughs> you have to be self-respecting. Respect your body. Respect your mind. Respect your intentions. Respect the people around you. Just generally, not just one person, but generally. So probably it has to begin with myself. I would have to say I respect myself first. And, and start from there. And, you know, I have great respect for all humanity, really. And I, I think my mom and dad taught me because we, I grew up very poor, you know, we, we had no money at all. And they always taught me that it's the janitor might have a more interesting story than a CEO of a major company, or at least a story as interesting. So we all have our own stories, our own history. And I think it's important not to ever be dismissive to anyone. Hmm. The one person that I met that I was most starstruck by was not Elvis. It was Billy Graham. Uh, When I met Billy Graham, I was reduced to being like a little 10-year-old child. And I was with my dad. My daddy was in a wheelchair. 
And I had taken my daddy to his last tent revival, his last sermons, you know, and it was at the Rose Bowl here in LA. And I was pushing my daddy in a wheelchair. We were backstage because uh, Michael Smith was performing and we see Billy Graham's van drive up and he steps out and looking very much like God incarnate. And he was elderly then. And my dad loved him and respected him and his life. You know, he was above reproach. He, he was the man that walked the walk and talked the talk, whether you believe in his, all of his beliefs or not. And I don't adhere to all the dogma of that. But as a human being, I thought he was just remarkable. And I was standing there holding my dad's wheelchair like a 10-year-old child going, <laughs> and he said come over and I and I just was babbling to him but he was such a remarkable man and never faltered you know never faltered in his faith and never faltered in his treatment of others and in his conviction again whether you believe in what he believed in or not and we don't have to to respect and admire someone that stuck with it all those years and remained above reproach wow I, didn't, I had no idea you've never I've never heard that story before yeah yeah, that's great. And it meant a lot to my daddy. And of course, I was such a daddy's girl that that yeah. meant a lot to me as well to be able to introduce him to Billy Graham. And he got to shake Billy Graham's hands because he did believe very strongly the way Billy Graham did. That's very sweet. What year was that? Oh, wow. Um, I was still married to David at the time. So probably like 17 years ago, something like that. Yeah. Years ago, 17 years ago. That's really sweet. That's a Eight. great memory. <laughs> time goes by so quickly, even when you're I not having fun. <laughs> Oh my gosh, right. a lot of fun. One of the things I love to ask everybody on here is what some of your bright spots recently in your life have been? And by that, I just mean some some highlights or things that have been making you happy lately. Yeah, well, playing more tennis is, is up there. But recently, uh, Bo and Sam have started to say Lala. Who are Brandon's uh, twins. Yeah, Brandon's twins yeah. with Kaylee, the beautiful Kaylee. And she's such an amazing mom, as is Leah. You know, they're just, mm -hmm. I, I've been so blessed to have great women via my sons <laughs> in my life. But yeah, the little babies now are walking around and they, when, they I, walk, say La -la too. when I walk in, their arms flail out like that and they run to me and want me to pick them up. So, you know, it's just an expression of love, which is so validating and so gratifying. I just love uh -huh. that. And um, Eva spent the night with me last night. And she was in the restroom with the door closed. And she said, Lala. And I said, what, sweetheart? And she said, I love you. <sighs> like, what more could you ever ask for in life? No. You know? oh, it's just so sweet. She's yeah. a really sweet little girl. So those things have brought me joy. Willis brings me joy. You know, the amorous mm -hmm. nature of his cuddling when he's in the morning. <laughs> mm -hmm. It's my dog, of course. He's <laughs> actually my husband. <laughs> the best husband I ever had. Oh my gosh. I mean, I, my dog Dash sleeps with his head on the pillow right next to mine every single night. So sweet. And I mean, he's just like how Shuey was and is with, yeah. you know, Shuey's got Brody, you've got Willis and I've got Dash. <laughs> I, know, I know. Brody's obsessed with Shuey. I know. Oh, I so know. Funny. I mean, I think we, we all are. We're dog obsessed people. Yeah. Well, that's so great. And both, and which one of the twins looks identical to Brody? Because one of them looks exact. Sam, Sam. It's amazing. It, it looks so crazy. much. And they're both so cute. They're both just gorgeous in their own ways. Mm -hmm. And one of them, Bo, just laughs at everything. He's like the party frat boy. He's like, ah. 
yeah bring bring the girls in and sam is more like more like brody's personality and sam is more like brandon's personality which is very measured think about it first and then react and you know brandon's so philosophical and Garou. They are going to be in trouble with those boys at some oh, point. I, I got to stay young. I got to stay healthy so I can help yeah. out. Seriously. They're going to need all the advice. Well, thank you so much for being here with oh, me yeah. today. I love getting to talk to you. I want to have a real catch up. I love you. I love you. Honey. Love you too. Take the best thank care you of yourself. So much. And if you can come up, do it. I'd love to see Yeah. You. Oh, absolutely. I will. Yeah. I'll let you know as soon as I do. All right, sweetie. Right. Bye. Bye. The Bright Side is a production of Embassy Row. Our executive producer is Sarni Rogers. This episode was produced by Alexa Machia and Anna Marie Johnson. The show is edited by Maureen Begas. Our theme music is by Maddie Noyes. You can follow me on Instagram at, at Caitlin, K A I T L Y N N, or email the show at thebrightsidewithkc at gmail.com. Have a happy day. Oh, I never wanna leave. I need you.